Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. shared with you guys before that I'm the kind of person that often tries to move forward in my own strength. It, it's, I think it's just wired into my DNA. It's probably the way that I've always been, but I try to move forward. I see things going on around me that appear to be positive a lot of times, so I feel pretty good about where things are. But then I also know, as some of you do, probably all of you, the loss of energy and the overwhelming feeling of guilt when I fall short and I make mistakes. It's, it's just like you go from the mountaintop, and then all of a sudden you sink down. And much of that is because you're depending on your own efforts and your own ability to do things. So when things are good, things are good, but you always fall short of that. This has been a very hard weekend for me, and I believe in, in open confession. I believe in... in talking about these things, but just an angry weekend. Uh, my family might be ready to put me out, but I believe that um, pastors are not above or beyond reproach, and that if I can talk about these things from the stage, there is someone in here, if not multiple people, that, that can at least appreciate that and also recognize that, that things like that are going on in their lives as well. So it is one of those things are going really well, things are going really well, and then all of a sudden, you know, seriously, God, am I, am I back to this, this place again? But it's often, it's often in these moments, whenever you feel that drop, you know, that way that you feel that is, that is really bad, these moments of uh, desperate need that you say to God, I cannot do it on my own. Like, I have tried, I've pushed myself, I know that's not in the rule book, I know it's not the way that it should be, but you constantly have to go back and you have to say, I cannot do it on my own. And in these moments, I release my efforts and I cling to the grace of God. And when I do this, I always feel renewed. I always feel a, a new sense of purpose. And I recognize that I have the opportunity to start over. It's not offered in other world religions in the same way. Something very specific and something very unique about the grace of God. And I think that because we live and work through such a fast-paced society that works a certain way, that we often feel rewarded for our efforts, and then we get really down when we recognize that we have made mistakes, and I'm, I'm no different. It was Flannery O'Connor, uh, the, the Gothic, Southern Gothic writer, that said, all humans nature, or all human nature vigorously resists grace. And that's true. We do resist grace, 
because grace changes us and change is painful. I don't think many of us would ever make the statement that grace is painful. We tend to think of grace as like this extremely positive sense of renewal. I get a fresh start in life. My sins are forgiven. And all of that is true. But trying to understand in a broken society what this perfect love looks like and the ability to step into it and to continuously live into it, that kind of change actually can be painful. Because it's true that grace is unnatural. It works against the grain of everything that we understand both in culture and also in humanity, but learning to use and to live within this grace is central to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So again, whenever we talk about our mission to help broken people become devoted followers of Jesus, we have an inability to do that if we can't recognize our own brokenness and therefore care about the brokenness of others. So when I make mistakes and I fall back into the old pattern of, of, of math, the, what I often call my ugly, all right, the, and it's different for all of us as far as what this looks like, but I find that moment of, of just love and acceptance beyond that, how can I not love and accept other people? You see, the reason that we have this, this demeanor of judgmentalism and superiority in the church is because the church is full of people who have never truly experienced the grace of God. That's just a reality. The negativity that we feel from other people is often because we're surrounded by people who have not experienced the grace of God. We are in part three of a six-week series that we're calling Rhythm, the true story of God's grace. We've introduced the concept of grace. We did that in week one. Last week, we talked about how grace frees us from the past, and I think that was important for a lot of us. And today we want to discuss how grace empowers us to go forward. So if we have a basic understanding of what grace is, we understand that we truly can have freedom from our past, and I I no longer have to live in 2006. I no longer, some of you maybe no longer have to live in 1985. We no longer have to live in these times and in these moments that were so bad. What does it look like? to be empowered by the grace of God as a way of life. It doesn't mean you're not going to continue to make mistakes. It doesn't mean the ugly is not sometimes going to come out. But it does mean that whenever you see people in this church raising their hands, worshiping, if you look around sometimes, you see solemn prayers with people with their eyes closed. It means that some people know they are grateful. They are experiencing gratitude because they know that they have experienced the grace of God. So we're going to be in the book of Titus today. That's toward the end of the New Testament. It's a very short letter by Paul. It's often referred to as a pastoral letter along with 1 and 2 Timothy. If you want to turn there, you can here in just a second. If you want to look up on the screen, you can follow it there. But we're going to be in the book of Titus. We're going to be in chapter 2 just for three short verses. But let me give you a little bit of what's going on here first. Uh, Titus would serve as a good example of our fourth core value, which is multiplication. All right, he's worked with Paul and under Paul's leadership to start churches in several locations, specifically Crete and Dalmatia. Prior to our text, Paul writes to Titus about the many pitfalls that believers can fall into. If you go just a little bit earlier in the chapter, he's talking about gossip, he's talking about drunkenness, he's talking about a lot of issues uh, that can actually present itself that no doubt was probably were probably presenting themselves 
in these particular churches. So different forms of destructive behavior. But what I want to pick up on here is with a short description of grace that empowers. What Paul is doing through the ministry of Titus is he is saying it's very easy for these different things to creep into the church. But I'm going to show you how this grace is, is, is going to work. So within context of where we are today as a church, we understand what grace is. We understand that we don't have to live in the guilt and the shame and the fear and all those things of the past. How is it that we actually move forward empowered by grace? There's a formula for that. And we're going to look at this formula today. And, and it's really, really important. And the reason that it's so important is because it's going to take you away from the desire or the ability to play church. It's going to take you away from the religiosity that often destroys witness. All right, so here it is, Paul chapter 2, we're going to look at, I'm sorry, Titus chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 11, 12, and 13. This is what Paul says, the grace of God, which is what we're talking about, has appeared bringing salvation to all people. It educates us. That part right there is going to be very, very important with what we're talking about today. It educates us so that we can live sensible, ethical, and godly lives right now by rejecting ungodly lives and the desires of this world. At the same time, we wait for the blessed hope and the glorious appearance of our Lord God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Paul really has two distinct teachings that he's trying to show this church and that we really need to see as well. The first is this, how to walk in grace, all right? How is it that we actually, instead of walking in religiosity, walking in our, our discouragement, our depression, our anger, our fear, our, our worry about our finances, all of these different things, how is it that we actually manage not to just sustain short moments of grace, but actually walk in grace in our lives? All right, but there's a second part, and these are bound together. Also, to denounce your personal efforts, priorities, and desires. The connection here is that you cannot walk in grace until you make the decision to denounce some of the things in your life that are, that are distracting your ability to walk in grace. So if there are things that you are going to continue to have in your life every single day, whatever that looks like, your desire to make a lot of money, six hours of Netflix, scrolling, you know, uh, scrolling through your phone all day, uh, talking to people that maybe you shouldn't be talking to about things you shouldn't be talking about. If a lot of these things are going to continue to crowd your time, it's going to be very difficult to walk in grace. Now, the result of that and the problem is that people are not going to see Jesus in us. So this is the way that these two things are connected. In verse 12, Paul is elevating grace to a new level. He says it educates us, all right? Grace educates us, why? So that we can live sensible, ethical, and godly lives. You see, there is a, there is a system by Republicans and Democrats 
and by a lot of different movements in society that believes that what they are upholding are ethics, all right? We believe there is a different set of ethics. And if we truly understand what love for neighbor, not retaliating with anger, forgiving others and being able to forgive ourselves looks like, we have to be able to walk in grace, not walk in bitterness, not walk in confusion, not walk in constant inner hostility that we feel. So it educates us so that we can live sensible, ethical, and godly lives right now by rejecting, or like we said, denouncing ungodly lives and the desires of this world. This is what an apprenticeship with Jesus, our spiritual uh, core value formation, what this looks like to follow Jesus, to become students of Jesus, is that we're learning on a regular basis what Jesus did and how he did it. This means that we must understand how to be empowered by grace and walk in grace. You see, a lot of times somebody could be in the church for 60 years and someone will say, well, she is a woman of God or he is full of wisdom. Not necessarily. It could just mean they know a lot of the Bible. It could mean they know a lot of the rules. It doesn't necessarily mean they've been broken. You can take somebody that's a junkie that's been saved for six weeks that understands how to walk in grace. We've got it all backwards. We look at seniority as a level of respect when we always need to be looking at people that understand, and they may not know a lot of theology. They may not understand a lot of the language that you use in this inside group, but they know that they were far away from God and now they're not. And when the phone or the friend or whoever it is gets in the way, they have to remove it so they can continue to walk in grace. You see, the Greek word for educate or chasten is paiduyo. And what this actually means is to train up. It's, it, it's talking specifically about a child. All right, so think about raising your child. It's to, to educate or to, to discipline, sometimes by punishment, to instruct or to teach. You know what's best for your child or you should know what's best for your child or your children. Because God knows what is best. Our Father knows what is best for his children. You see, Cora has had an issue a few, for a few months of, of not telling the truth. Any of your kids ever have that issue? Just me, wonderful. All right, so Callie never lied. Never, she was scared to death too. So Levi walks in the room with a handprint on his face or scratches down his chest with the most pitiful cry you've ever seen in your life. Cora, what happened to Levi? He did it to himself. Because, you know, there are a lot of two-year-olds that do that, that just smack themselves in the face. So now it's like there are repercussions. I'm out, spankings, and she's learning very slowly. She'll even come up to me sometimes five minutes later, Daddy, I lied again, and then tells me what happens. All right, so we instruct our, our children. We hope to lead our children. It, we, we educate our children. So she's starting to learn the benefits of telling the truth. But please hear this. Every single day, you are being educated. 
And some of you are saying, well, I never went to college, or I've not been in high school for a long time, or I'm not in school. I'm not being educated. A celebrity on Instagram is telling you what you should look like. CNN or Fox, depending on your political flavor, is telling you what you should believe about your government. A YouTube video is teaching you how to, to save your money or make more money or how to lose weight. So the question is, what educates you? We're all being educated by something. What is it that actually educates you? And please hear this today. It is impossible. It is impossible to learn grace in a graceless society. You know what? You can say a lot of positive things about this world. You could, you could say things about advancements in technology. You could say things about how it's easier to do some things than it was in the past. Whoever invented the pacifier, as far as I'm concerned, is the greatest genius that ever lived. All right, tablets as well. Anything that keeps kids busy. All right, there are a lot of benefits of society. There are a lot of great things that we are learning and doing, but you will not learn grace in a graceless society. It's the reason that so many church people are just, quite frankly, awful people. And I'm ashamed to say that, that more than I care to admit, I can fall into that category as well. So what do I learn when learning grace? And how does this help me? When I'm really learning grace, when I'm walking in grace, what am I learning? Paul says to Titus, we're keeping it real simple, just three simple verses. You are learning ethics, all right? How to live an ethical life. You are leading God, learning godliness. And just quite frankly, you're learning how to be sensible. Those are the three things that he says we are learning. And some of you are deriving your ethics from cultural values or what you see in society. You have a cultural education. Paul understands something that is incredibly difficult for us to understand. Whenever you are at your best, and I'm talking about your absolute best, everybody like in this church, they seize you, you're packing hope bags, you're going out and you're helping people in your neighborhood and in the community, you're sharing the gospel with, other, with all these other people. When you are at your best, you are just moments away from fatigue, mistakes, and completely screwing up. Some of you know that because you've been in positions before where you've looked at your life and people have given you a pat on the back. I'm going to tell you something. It's really easy to get a pat on the back. Great sermon, Mac. Great job with this. Great job with that. And I'm like, I guess I'm all right. Guess things are all right. And then all of a sudden, just this implosion with a person or maybe within my, my home. And very quickly, I learn I'm not all right. But instead, when we are completely surrendered at all times, we are activating the grace of God in our lives. Paul's going to show us in other passages how this looks. Okay, so how do we walk in grace to allow this empowerment? What does that actually look like? How do we actually walk through grace and in grace to allow this empowerment. I'm going to give you three things really quick that are going to be very beneficial for your life. And I can promise you that. I'm, I'm sure in our community groups, some of our groups tonight, we're going to be able to discuss this. The first is this. You must practice the art of giving up. 
Right? You're saying, well, what do you mean giving up? Whenever I say that we cannot do it on our own, that despite how good you believe you are, I've been a Christian for five years. I'm participating in everything that the church is doing. I've stopped, for the most part, swearing. I'm no longer watching some of those things. I try to do all of these things. No, you have to give up and recognize that you can not do it on your own. The most beautiful example you're going to see of our faith in practice is the recognition, the recognition that you can not do it on your own. And when you take an 85-year-old saint that is teaching people and still training people up, and they still understand, despite all their wisdom and all their knowledge and everything they've been able to do, that they still can't do it on their own, that's a special person. And you better listen to everything that comes out of their mouth, because when you've arrived, you're in trouble. It's the art of giving up. It's constantly, every single day of your life, a posture of repentance, a posture of, I can't do it. Your righteousness is filthy rags. All have fallen short, as we said in week one, of the glory of God. You cannot do it. So how do we walk in grace? We practice the art of giving up, but we also practice the art of giving away. We practice the art of giving away. You must surrender the bad influences that take control of your mind, meaning that if you are regularly watching something, well, you don't understand, Matt. I, I, I get what you're saying, but I'm in season seven. I, I, I'm kind of committed here. Got to keep going with it. There's only nine seasons, and then I'm going to straighten out. I tell Beth something that we talk about all the time is how many Netflix or Amazon Prime or Hulu stuff that I go through, and I think, that looks interesting. I'm going to watch that, and I recognize I've only watched 10 or 15 minutes of it because I had to turn it off. What is going into you is going to come out of you every single time, and it's impossible to walk in grace if you're allowing all of these other influences to come in. What does Paul call it? He says to denounce these things. And one of the most difficult things I think for us to accept is that there is a point in which we must recognize that the American way, this country that many of us love, probably all of us love, the American way and the way of grace are at opposite ends in so many ways, and that is very, very difficult for us to accept. So the American way says, I can do what I want when I want. That's individual autonomy. That's self-control. I can do what I want whenever I want. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. I'm measured by how much I work and what I have. My worth is measured by success. That's what our society tells us. But the way of grace is this. My life is to be lived as a drink offering constantly poured out for the sake of others. I am to die to the things that I care about every single day. It's the art of giving away. And you cannot understand that and you cannot see that if you're being educated by other cultural influences. But then third, you must also practice the art of giving yourself. 
of giving yourself and the way that this is different is that you're pouring something else in. And we're talking specifically about the spiritual disciplines, prayer, scripture, learning how to get along with that coworker that's extremely difficult, learning how to love that estranged family member or that church person that you have a horrible relationship with. You have to make sacrifices. You have to do things that are extremely difficult. And if you can give up, if you can give away, and if you can give yourself, you're going to learn what it means to walk in grace. Paul said this in, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. This is probably my favorite grace passage in the entire Bible. And for some of you, it's for you as well. He, he says, and this is after he's talked about his thorn in the flesh, my grace, this is God, my grace is enough for you because power is made, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Not my grace is just going to help you, but my grace is enough for you in every single moment. And when he, when he understands this, when this really comes through to Paul that God's grace is enough, that it's really all that he needs, that he has the ability to walk in grace, he says something that's very difficult for us to say. He says, so I'll gladly spend my time bragging about my weakness so that Christ's power can rest. Some of you need rest, can rest on me. Therefore, I'm all right with weaknesses, insults. How many of you could be in a place where, you're, where grace is so powerful that you're okay with insults, disasters, harassments, and stressful situations? We hate stressful situations, but I can do all of these things for the sake of Christ. Because when I am weak, when I am down and out, when things are the worst, somehow I'm actually strong. How does that even make sense? How can we even add that up? Is that the way of grace is different than everything else that's coming in and educating us on a regular basis. Paul is telling Titus, some of these other these people that are planting this church, that are building this community up here in Crete, they're getting into some stuff. It's going to lead to conflict. It's going to lead to false gods. It's going to lead to idol worship. It's going to lead to a lot of problems for this church. In fact, some of these churches, they may not make it. How are your people being educated? What is it that we are actually pouring in? So that brings us to this next part. So if we walk in grace, we are denouncing our personal efforts, our priorities, and our desires. This is exactly what Paul is writing to Titus. How do we do this? How do we denounce these things? We give up, we give away, we give ourselves. And listen, it's a daily practice, all right? It's a daily practice. I was, I was talking to someone in our church just this past week about the difficulty of forgiving. And this person said to me, forgiveness is a daily act of obedience even when you don't feel like doing it. 
And then eventually, just a little bit down the road, you have that epiphany or that moment where it's actually released. It's not always right in the moment. It's a daily act of practicing the spiritual disciplines. You see, you commit to these things. You recognize these things. You tell God, I can't do it on my own. I'm a flawed human being. I'm going to denounce these things in my life. I'm going to cling to you. And you find yourself walking in this amazing way that you never could have imagined. So how do we do this? We give up. We give away. We give ourselves. How is this possible? We are trained up and educated in the school of grace. And just for the sake of transparency and for the sake of letting you guys know about the six months to five years to 10 years that we see down the path for us, if we are going to live out our mission, if we are going to practice our core values, we must learn to walk in grace. Because you see, the crazy thing is that we wonder how we should handle situations. We wonder how we should walk through difficulty. We wonder how we should love people. Every single bit of it's here. It's here. And the amazing thing is that we make the decision not to follow it. But why? If, if we're Christians, why? Because we're receiving our education among society and not among the truths of the gospel. Paul's narrative in this letter is centered on the importance of Christian works. That's what he's, what he's talking about, how we're supposed to live. And I opened up by discussing my efforts and then the loss of energy. You know, whenever I'm in a place that is struggling, when I'm struggling, Paul is suggesting that we must be completely empowered by the grace of God. We must learn the continual practices of giving up, giving away, and giving ourselves. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I know that this is extremely difficult teaching. But when we are able to follow these truths, we get to the sweet spot of the gospel in which we walk in complete freedom, empowered by grace. And I have no doubt that if it's a difficult relationship, if, it's a if it is a person that you are struggling with, if it's poor habits as far as coming to God and allowing other things to empower your life, would you be honest enough to raise your hand so I can pray for you this morning. Anyone in here, thank you, sir. Anyone in here, thank you, ma'am. Anybody else in here, you're struggling because you know that these other forces of society are often greater. It's very simple. If we are going to move forward in the direction that I have no doubt about, that God is sending us, it can't be what we do. It has to be our desire and our push to walk in grace. Father, we come to you this morning, and, and I, for one, Father, among others that have raised their hand, Father, when it, whenever we are distracted, 
whenever we feel that we are often controlled by other things. We allow stress, we allow distraction, we allow our own self-righteousness, so many of these powerful things to overtake where we're supposed to be. We, we want to settle for complacency. We want to halfway do it. Uh, Father, the only thing that does is produce the ugliness of religion. It produces that side of the coin. And my prayer, Father, is that you break us as a community and also as individuals in any way that is necessary to show us the importance of walking in your grace. God, help us to release the sin. Help us to release the distraction. Help us to release anything and everything that will remove us from the presence of this grace so that we are educated, Father, in your power and truth. We pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.